Welcome to Movie Maker. My name is Tim Malloy and happy 2021. This episode is a must for people who want to break up the old way of making movies. If you've been listening to Eric Steuer's excellent recent interviews in this podcast, you've probably noticed a pattern among the movie makers he interviews. They did not wait for Hollywood's permission to do anything. They made the movies they could afford to make or they raised the money themselves. And they did the most important thing you can do, which is just start. The conditions will never be perfect, so you do what you can with what you have. Our guests today, Jess Jacklin and Charles Beale, are a filmmaking couple who embody that idea. A few years ago, they felt like the festival circuit wasn't really working for them. And so they thought about what their perfect festival would look like, and then they started it. It's called Studio Fest, and I met them a hundred years ago at the 2019 edition of the festival in Ojai, California. Jess and Charles have already released one film, the award-winning Souvenirs, and have several more in the works, as we'll talk about in a moment. As you'll gather, Jess and Charles are incredibly transparent about what they're doing, and they get into a lot of specifics and numbers in their web series and podcast, Demystified, presented by Movie Maker. Search Studio Fest Demystified, and you'll learn things like how to get your film distributed, how not to get burned in a contract, and how to use the tactics of a YouTube influencer to make serious movies. Or funny movies in a serious way. Please visit studiofest.com if you'd like to submit. And now, our wonderful guests, Jess Jacklin and Charles Beal of Studio Fest. So Jess Jacklin, Charles Beal, welcome to Movie Maker Interviews. It's so exciting to get to talk with you guys. Um, the way that we first came across Studio Fest is when my wife and I joined Movie Maker, one of the very first things we did is went to one of your events in Ojai, California. It was completely beautiful, super rustic. It was like a log cabin type situation. There was this great nature trail nearby. And then there were all these brilliant filmmakers, writers, directors, incredible people to talk to. We were super intimidated, but the more we talked to them, the cooler they were. How did it all start? Like, how did you get this great festival together? Yeah, so we, the origins came from, as filmmakers, we were attending other festivals. You know, Jess and I are both writers and directors, and we were going to these festivals and we weren't quite getting what we felt we needed out of them. You'd go to, an odd, you'd go to a uh, screening, maybe the theater's not totally full, or it's full of people that are also making other movies, which is great, but a lot of people are looking for that opportunity to jump into the feature game. They're looking for their next project. And unless you're at one of the tier one festivals, it can be really difficult to find financing. And so we felt there should be a streamlined path to making your first feature or getting into the feature film game. Uh, And so, you know, on that drive home from that festival, we pretty much cultivated, you know, the the loose workings of what the ideal festival uh, would be for us. Yeah. Yeah, and that um, rustic nature you were talking about, we did our first, you came to our second film fest in uh, Ojai. Um, and our first year we were in Phoenicia, which we were talking a little bit about earlier. But um, uh, yeah, we really wanted to find a setting that felt like a retreat. You know, it felt like you were kind of close to a major filmmaking hub, but you got a moment to just go 
and hang out with cool people and talk about stories and talk about films and talk about writing. And um, that, you know, even if you weren't like the winner, that it still felt like you really got something from just being around people and getting inspired for a couple of days. Um, so that was sort of our vision in terms of the setting. And so um, the other thing we talked a lot about is that we're very mobile. So we didn't really want to get like stuck in one town year after year. So we want to be traveling and we're going to continue traveling every year. So um, first year was in Phoenicia, New York, and then we were in Ojai for year two. Um, our plan was to be in Austin for uh, year three, but COVID obviously has put a little dent in that. So, um, but hopefully we'll continue to travel. Well, you bought an RV and you outfitted it incredibly to make it a mobile studio. Um, you guys took it to the Sidewalk Film Festival, which you wrote about for Movie Maker, which was awesome. Thank you. That was a great story. Um, and so the idea is to just keep moving. I mean, you're going to travel out to Los Angeles next when it's safe to do that? Yeah, we're going to come out to LA. Um, we're probably going to try to get this RV onto some film sets. So for anyone listening, that's a micro budget filmmaker that needs the less expensive version of a video village and wardrobe talent holding area. Um, contact at studiofest.com, I guess is the email, <laughs> or we can tell people. But, um, but yeah, we want to, we, we just want to foster a sense of community because filmmaking requires so many people and often resources are stretched. So the RV is meant to be, you know, something that we can use for our films, but we're hoping that, um, you know, it can be something that other people get use out of. Too. Yeah, just to give people a little insight into uh, some low budget scrap, uh, Jess found this already gutted RV on Facebook Marketplace for $3,100 and it had 34,000 miles on it. Somebody was, had basically just lived in it for a while uh, before the people that we bought it from who were in the process of renovating it and needed to part with it. So we got really lucky, but we're hoping we can sort of share that luck and, and help people get some projects made. Yeah. One thing I really like about Studio Fest is how transparent everything is. And one idea that we had on collectively after we got to attend the festival was following the journey of Studio Fest, um, which has gone remarkably well. I mean, if you look at the average of Hollywood, you've completed one film so far, you've sold one film so far, people can go watch it right now. That's been the one that you put together in Phoenicia, New York. It's called Souvenirs. I've seen it. You did a great job making, putting it together. It looks way more expensive than I know it is. Um, just um, amazing. How did you get it done in a year? <laughs> I don't, um, yeah, we were sort of crazy. I mean, that we did it. I think that, um, wow, we just learned so much. And um, whether we stick to a strict year timeline, I think is something we're still debating. Like maybe um, we, we really want to get to that rough cut stage so that we can show people our work and having a, a live audience at our festivals that can give us feedback is so incredibly important. So we really want to retain that element. Um, but uh, to completely start from zero, write a script, uh, produce it, you know, casting takes a while. So then cast it, produce it, um, edit it and have it ready um, is uh, it's, it's a lot on everyone. So um, we did do it. Somehow we got through to the other side. I think we were still writing the ending of it when we were shooting day one. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of crossover. Um, and I think that now it's about like, 
you know, tweaking that process to get to uh, really quality film at the end and figuring out what that, what that entails and maybe letting things breathe just a little bit more. Um, but that said, we liked the, the sort of, um, I guess we don't have the attention span or we don't want to get stuck in um, development hell. Development hell. <laughs> so <laughs> we like to move and we like to make stuff. So it's sort of like finding that balance between not letting it take too long and making sure you give enough time. Yeah, I should say that, um, you know, we were very fortunate to be working with Anna Mikami and Matthew Servillo, who, you know, respectively the director and the writer of Souvenirs, they really stepped up and did everything that we asked of them. Uh, but we also know that there are better ways to be doing this. So I think like, you know, we'll get to it or which is that our system is going to be going through some changes, but we think for the better and is going to make better quality content and have more happier people at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm super curious to hear how this shakes out because when we went to studio fest, the way it works is um, you read you, there are readings by the writers. And I think you had about five writers who are finalists and then there were short films by the directors. And then you had to choose five. You had to choose the best not necessarily the best writer and the best director, but you had to choose a writer and a director who would go together. And you're detailing this entire process, by the way, in the Demystified video series, total transparency. People can check it out on YouTube, seeing how it went. Um, if you asked me back in, what was it, August, September of 2019? September, yeah. Yeah, if you'd asked me, I would have said you picked the perfect people. Um, uh, I hope I'm saying everybody's name right. It's Ryan Oxenberg. Mm-hmm. And Loam Ayasu. Loam Ayasu, yeah. Uh -huh. They were both incredible. Um, but as we've seen in the latest episode of Demystified, they did not totally gel. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely like, and, and to be transparent that we ran into that with uh, Matt and Anna too. And it's not a problem with them um, necessarily. People have different styles of working people have different expectations and we're asking or we had been asking people to uh, you know, partner up with somebody they had never worked with before who had very different, potentially very different styles and techniques and ways of doing things. So we, sorry, I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, no, I think that's good. I mean, we, uh, yeah, <laughs> We're pairing people. Do you want to? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People have okay. different styles of working. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, uh, the original system had us pairing people that uh, had potentially very two very different styles of working, and it was not really a ideal way of doing things. It was just like an additional layer of pressure, I'd say. Um, I'm yeah. sorry, I, I lost, I forgot the question. No, no, I, no, I'll just add to that. Like, and I think too, like collaborations happen all the time in film making. I mean, you have directors coming on to writer scripts and um, that happens constantly. It's a part of making films. But what's unique to our model was that uh, we were actually asking two people to start from literally nothing and ideate an idea and create a concept together. And that's where I think the part of it gets a little rocky is just that, in terms of having a vision and having the same vision um, without having some kind of pre-existing relationship or um, just a deeper understanding of somebody 
in terms of their body of work and just their style, it's very hard to know within like two days time um, if that sort of cohesion is going to exist. So I think that's what we've kind of come up against is, um, you know, doing something from scratch is definitely a challenge. And it's, it's doesn't really reflect poorly on anybody we've selected as creators that are all fantastic. It's just more about um, conceptually, can that work, you know? Is our system working as intended, you know? And which brings us to how we are adjusting, I guess. Should we get into that or? Yeah, I mean, I do want to compliment the job that you all did and that Jake Bowen did, um, your editor, in the latest episode of Demystified, showing how how your writer and director got along because they both have strong visions. They're both obviously super smart and super good at what they do, but you do just see little things in communication styles and things like that that can just torpedo a project. And yeah. it was informative to me to just realize just just ways of talking to people who you don't know that well. Um, and, and it's informative to watch it, to see like how it can look to a neutral third party. Um, when you say something that makes complete sense, I mean, my wife and I both watched it and we both agreed with both of them. It's one of those situations. Um, so I just thought you did a really nice job of showing that without pointing fingers or anything like that. It was like kind of the best reality show I've ever seen because I, I knew the people involved and knew the stakes and how much everybody cared about it. And it wasn't like fighting over, you know, I didn't get invited to this party or something like the stakes were incredibly high. Um, so you found a way to fix it. Totally. Well, we're, well, what I would say <laughs> too is like, finding a way. I feel like this whole endeavor, and, and this is something that Charles and I, I don't know, we come up against because you go out there as like a thing, right? Like we are Studio Fest, but um, Studio Fest is just like two people, well, three, Jake, you know, that are just trying to like make films in a new inventive way. Um, but I think, you know, having that forward facing thing of like the entity and the festival and the whatever, um, it's, it's sort of, uh, sometimes I would say challenging to be like, we're just kind of an experiment, you know, like we're just, and I think our attitude has always been, and like one of transparency is just like, we should always be open to like, how do we fine tune this thing? Like, how does it evolve? Like, it was never like, this is the only way it can get done. And like, if it's not one writer and one director and like one film from nothing, then like the whole thing crumbles. It's kind of like, that was the starting point of what we thought would work for Studio Fest. And now um, it's just like a learning process, right? Which I think Demystified is also about. It's just, how do we, um, how do we learn how do we learn quickly so that we can adapt quickly so that we can get to a point where hopefully we're making the best films um, and working with people that we all feel really excited about and projects we feel excited about. So that's like, that's like generally where we want to go. Um, so I think I'll have Charles kind of articulate like how we're thinking of pivoting um, right now that gets us mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So we really want to put people in the best position to succeed, you know, and one of the ways we, can do that is actually through looser commitments, which is we are promising one Studio Fest film each year, but with one winner. Now there's flexibility on how that winner manifests. It might be a writer-director. It might be a writer who actually is also a part of a writer-director duo. Um, it may be somebody, I think that's where we're going to focus on the main one is making sure that um, I think that's where we're going to focus the main Studio Fest film is trying to uh, have sort of like the total package ready to go. 
um, but we're not going to be matching and pairing people up. It's either going to be a singular person or an existing duo. Hmm. Uh, beyond that, as we're showing in the series, we're also trying to, you know, take a, um, take a page out of Jim Cummings' playbook, which is he's trying to support and lend his ability and his credentials and his know-how uh, to other filmmakers so that they can get their projects off the ground. So, for instance, we're working with Patrick now, and we're trying to lend our support and our know-how in order to make his movie happen. And while it's not the primary Studio Fest uh, movie, it's, we still feel that it's something that we want to help get made. And so our goal is that... And Patrick is one of the writers who is in one of the finalists for Studio Fest, but what didn't end up being paired up with the other filmmaker and winning. Right. Patrick uh, had this great script called Better Half that we optioned right out of the festival. It's very funny, very contained. Um, and, you know, it really spoke to what we were looking for uh, when it came to um, something very producible on a micro budget, we felt. Um, and so we knew we wanted to be a part of that in some capacity. And so um, the... What that means is that we want to do our main Studio Fest film, but we also want to help other films get made. And so we want there to be a number of Patricks each year. That's the ideal situation is we're getting more than one movie made. We're only promising to finance one of them ourselves. Wow. I, I personally hadn't given up on the matching a writer and a director idea yet um, because I did think it was so cool to see how those people would gel, like to think about the different pairings. So is it theoretically possible that you would find a great writer and a great director and still match them together? Go back to the original idea? Yeah, I think that, um, I think that's a possibility. I think also we want to get writer and director um, duos that, we want writer and director duos to submit to us too, because there's a lot of those out there. There's so many people that already have sort of done this process and um, we've had a few submit to us and, um, yeah, I think we'll be looking at that as well. Like, you know, maybe if we can eliminate a little bit of the um, not knowing each other element. I wouldn't say it's completely out of the cards either. I think what we want to do is just keep it um, kind of open to whatever we feel like is going to be the most exciting to pro project to be on for a year with the right people um, without getting too prescriptive on what that looks like. Mm. Um, but, you know, in terms of the sort of inherent drama of making a movie this way, uh, you know, regardless of tensions between people, I think there's a lot just in trying to make a movie at a low budget. Um, there's just so many things that inevitably happen anyway. So yeah. having at least a vision that you're all working towards, um, we, we feel is important. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. One thing I've been thinking a lot lately, I'm kind of haunted by your Jim Cummings episode of Demystified, uh, where he talked about basically just getting out and making the damn thing, like however you raise the money, whatever you have to do. And I think that what gets in a lot of filmmakers way is first, it's so hard to just write a script and it's so hard to shoot a movie and it's so hard to make sure everybody's line readings are right and cast correctly and all of the impossible things, making sure you got the right sound along the way. Then there's this other thing where you'll read articles about like, well, so-and-so broke into the business when they were 21 because they used to babysit for this other person. 
And then you get so caught up in like the psychology of how Hollywood works. And it just starts to feel incredibly overwhelming because if you do look at it that way, it is totally overwhelming. And people don't just focus on, I mean, everyone's reading Deadline and The Hollywood Reporter and Variety looking for some like psychological insight into different producers and things like that. And it's like, just make a movie. Making a movie is quite hard enough. And you did the really hard part of making the movie first. And I just think that's so commendable and opened the door for people to make the movie. Um, how did you get out of the whole psyching yourself out? I mean, how did you just get the, get the motivation to just do it? Uh, I think we've had a build your wings on the way down policy from <laughs> the beginning. So it's more of a don't think, just do and, um, and figure it out. Now, I think that is not something everyone can or should do. I'm, you know, there's lots of people who say, put it on credit cards and you'll figure it out in the end, but that's not good financial advice at all and can really screw you up. Um, I, yeah, it's like, I think Jess and I have a big leg up because we have a lot of experience producing. Yeah. Jess has been, ex been producing at like the most competitive, difficult levels for over a decade in commercial filmmaking, which, you know, the turnaround on that is 30 days for a project, a million dollars for a couple of days, you know, she's, there's a lot of pressure in that. And so she's definitely been galvanized um, as a producer, I would say. Um, and for myself, I spent, you know, I got into the industry. I lived in Los Angeles for six years, you know, uh, 10 years ago. So that, um, I, got, I have one of those lucky stories of I was on my way to Los Angeles uh, in Vegas. So I was only like three and a half hours away from LA having left college early. And I, I, um, my sister works in the industry as a, uh, she was like a, an office PA at this time in New Orleans. And the job she was on, the set accountant overheard her freaking out because she had this habit of like freaking out about everything. What do you mean you're going to live in your car? <laughs> uh, and the set accountant is like, no, 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 he doesn't have to live in his car. I need a house sitter. Send him to my house. And so I end up living in this woman's house for a year and a half. And her boyfriend, her long-term boyfriend, is the producer on the movie. Uh, and, um, yeah, I don't know if I... <laughs> want to say the names at all but i mean it i guess just for context the he's a producer on like what movie was this it might have been expendables too i oh, think he's yeah. a producer on expendables too at the time so i ended up living at the house with the, the producer of expendables too and uh he gave me my first job into the industry so i got a sort of a backdoor lucky look and close up, um, very personal look at how it works from that perspective. So together, our knowledge puts us in a, you know, a position to succeed. But, you know, Jeff's put in the hours, and I got lucky. I'm. Where did? If again, you can clap. If, but where did you guys meet at this point? Because you were in LA. Just you were in New York, right? Yes, I was in New York, Charles in LA. I was actually on a production in Los Angeles um, for a commercial. And I, um, it's kind of a funny story. 
<laughs> I don't know if I should tell it. <laughs> I got, basically, I was on this job and I got stuck in a, and I don't know if you know the Pally House Hotel in Venice. It's like a very small boutique. It's like maybe 10 rooms. Okay. Um, and I was staying at this hotel and this like terrible guy from New York that I had dated for a while ended up in the room above me at the Pally House Hotel. And we were, and I was like on a job stuck there for two weeks. And I just kept having to like run into this like ghost from my past. And so um, I had never, I had never used a dating app, but I downloaded it promptly. I went on one date just to get myself out of this hotel. And I met Charles. Wow. In LA. And then what's very serendipitous about it was that he was, um, he had just been accepted into the Amtrak writing residency. So like they let writers ride their train lines for Amtrak. Um, it's like a program that they do every year. And Charles was one of the writers for the program. Um, he had submitted a screenplay that they accepted. And so he was actually taking the train from LA to New York, like right after I got back to New York. So then he was in New York right after I had been in LA. And then like, I had to fly through LA to Australia for something. We just kept like weirdly being in each other's cities for a little while. Um, yeah, it was just this very kind of serendipitous thing. So that's how we met. I, you've, you've met my wife, Deirdre. And the way we met was I was going to, I think Stockholm with my brother when I lived in LA and met her in a bar in New York. And for some reason we became like pen pals for months and we were like, yeah, I'm never going to see this person again. So we just had this like great pen pal relationship basically. And then went back to, saw her again in New York and then saw her again. And then it was just like, all right, I'm moving to New York. This is ridiculous. But the cross country relationship you're in listener really can work. <laughs> um, we're all proof. Uh, yeah. We, we were like, we were, doing FaceTime for like the first six months of our relationship. And then finally Charles moved to New York too. He did the same thing. Came to New York. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And you actually got married while making movies and running studio fest. So somehow you were able to continue collaborating and not, you know, kill each other or anything. Yeah. So, so far. <laughs> We're all still alive. <laughs> I think my lifespan will probably be shorter, but. <laughs> Yeah. So do you have any advice to people who want to start their own festival or who just want to make a movie? I, you know, I might clap at the end of this. You know, I might ask for this to get cut, but I expect us to have emulators in what we do. I really hope that this works out because a lot of the difficulties of filmmaking is this expectation that a movie needs to make money. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of artists that don't think about that and don't want to think about that because it, you know, shouldn't compromise the art. And so when we look at the business model of Studio Fest, our hope is that we can find financial sustainability and we can have basically an incubator yeah. and a process of consistently, safely and sustainably getting filmmakers into the professional arena. Yeah. Um, I hope we have emulators because there needs to be more of us like that. There needs to be more opportunities like that. Um, so I really like commend uh, Jim Cummings with what he's doing, you know. He's a compatriot, I don't, he's not competition. There's so much room for 
more of these, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I am, the more we learn, the more disheartened I am about the industry at large and like this prospect of an artist coming out of nowhere and becoming a working professional. And I think that this kind of thing is going to be more and more necessary. Yeah, has, has COVID changed your all's opinion at all? I mean, I feel like with big theaters not doing very well lately, and it sounds like small theaters may get a bailout, maybe even by the time people hear this, um, there might be a big opportunity for smaller movies, for independent movies. And there's, we, we saw from like the Batman and lots of other big movies that had to shut down because of COVID, big productions aren't necessarily where it's at right now. I mean, I feel like small nimble productions are in some ways in a better position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we thought it, we talked about it a lot because um, oddly enough, because of our crew size being so small in these films we make and um, it just, it just happened that we were kind of positioned uniquely to sort of survive the whole COVID, um, you know, shutdown so we aren't going to have more than 10 people on our sets i mean even if covid things get better we're still going to probably only have 10 people on our sets including the actors so we are we're, we're so tiny um and that's how we were making movies anyway so i think for us it's like um just hopefully we can document it for other people that are maybe thinking like how do i pivot and what does a covid what does a COVID production look like and who is really necessary? I mean, you have to start really asking what you need and where you can trim. Um, so, so yeah, I think that for us, um, you know, in terms of the filmmaking, I think we're going to, we'll be all right and hopefully we'll move forward and keep everybody safe while we're doing it. Um, in terms of the event, um, you know, things get a little stickier because you can't get things like event insurance, similar to like with film, you know, getting insurance and things like that. Um, is, is just going to be, I think, a tough thing to navigate. What we're really excited about, and I guess this is the first time we're talking about it publicly, is that we really want to um, position Studio Fest to be entirely in a virtual reality uh, mm. theater this upcoming year. So sort of a little alt take on um, the whole virtual fest thing. We really want it to be more interactive. So we're thinking if we can't get production insurance and meet all in person that we will, um, basically every finalist will get a VR headset and we'll all be meeting up as avatars in a, in a virtual cinema. Yeah, it's like the, the one way to COVID proof uh, the situation, so. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, it'd be really cool. Um, there's a lot of cool like cinema, um, you know, three uh, virtual cinemas now in virtual reality, which is just, you're in there and it's like you're sitting in a theater and the film comes on and you can sit and talk to your friends um, in the virtual space. So we're still figuring out all the logistics of that, but um, that's kind of our, you know, best, the best version of going virtual that we can come up with. Um, and given we're small again, it's probably realistic that, you know, we can get, 10 finalists, a few judges, you know, and us in a room, in a virtual room, so. I think you're super onto something there. I, I've been, well, I took part in the Kukularis, um film festival screenings that they did, which was basically, we all watched a movie together and then we sort of had like a group, a group chat going. And it was so much more fun to watch the movies that way. 
than it would have been to watch them in a theater. And then like last night, my wife and I were watching Small Axe, the new Steve McQueen movie. Um, not, that's not the name of it. It was Lover's Rock of the Small Axe movies. Um, and I kept thinking it's really sad that we can't see this movie in a theater because it would be so cool and so immersive. It's like going to a party, um, watching the film and like following the people on screen. But if we were watching it in a theater, we couldn't talk to each other about how much we were liking it and the stuff that we thought was cool and the stuff that like we understood or didn't understand. And the idea of doing that as like a virtual festival screening, I think is just the coolest thing. And to be able to go then talk to someone across the country as if you're right there, I'm still processing it as you, because <laughs> you just talked about it, but I think it's really, really cool. And just another way you guys are innovating. I mean, I love that you're always innovating. Thank you. Thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, we're excited. Um, everyone on our team now has a VR headset, so we're going to be running some uh, tests, some fun tests coming up just to make sure that's an ironclad plan. But, um, you know, and we don't know what's happening with vaccines, so it may be that, like, we can we can all meet in person. I think this is just the thing we're going to move forward with, and then if... This is the safest promise we yeah, can make. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like Jess said, it's a benefit of us being an intimate festival. You know, we we can do this kind of thing, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll be in person again in the future. And you know, bringing people from all over the globe, like we did uh, for Phoenicia and Ojai, uh, to one location. But uh, I think this will be fun. Yeah, and I also just want to recommend people check out Demystified because I think you're doing such a good job and such a brave job of showing people what it's actually like to make a movie. I talk to so many filmmakers and there's an impression that I used to have that everybody who's making a movie is a millionaire and has a huge team behind them and has some massive backers, but there are so many movies that are great and that I love that are made by just a few passionate people who really care about getting it done and have a small crew of their friends and they did it. And I, I feel like that's probably more the model for the next year or so and possibly forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I enjoy that process of making movies. There's something special about the containedness of it and that, you know, everybody on the crew and that you're all working towards something together. I just think that it's just such a joy to make movies that way. Cause I've been on, big sets my whole career, you know, and um, like, this is my escape from that, right? Like, I don't want to make movies that way. I just think that, um, I don't know. I like the intimacy a lot. So, yeah. So if people want to take part in Studio Fest, and I imagine everybody listening to this now does want to take part in Studio Fest, what should they do? Yeah, so we'll be opening up submissions January 4th. Uh, we are, this year, we're widening our scope. So that means if you've got a short screenplay, feature length screenplay, short film, feature length film, you can submit any of those. And what we're looking for is really inspiration and a, and a single partner, unless it's a working duo, uh, to make one movie with, with Studio Fest. Beyond that, we want people to know that, and they'll see in the series, we're also looking for potential other partners that we can help to elevate their work, get them financing, and generally just help people get to that next level. Um, our festival, we're planning to be in VR this year. So any finalists, we're going to send them a VR headset, uh, and it'll be all the fun, intimate theater experience, but in a headset and we're excited for this process. And, uh, yeah, we really look forward to seeing everyone's work.
That was Charles Beale and Jess Jacklin from Studio Fest. You can find them at studiofest.com. And to get a little mushy on you, uh, we just wrapped the latest issue of Movie Maker Magazine, which will be on newsstand soon. Regina King is on the cover. And working on it, I realized that my job right now is to help people go do the damn thing. And that I get to have that as a job, to try to be useful to movie makers who are trying to get their movies made and fulfill a dream. And I'm just really grateful and honored to have that opportunity. This podcast is part of it. So thank you for supporting it. Thank you for supporting moviemaker.com. And if there's anything we can do to help and support you, my email is tim.molloy at moviemaker.com. Happy 2021. See you back here very soon.